Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so every single dude, all the dudes. And we couldn't help but wonder. With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, couldn't Help But Wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to us. That was beautiful, Jamie. Thank you. Hi. How Hi, girl. are you? I'm good. Um, who are you? Who am I this week? Um, I would say, unfortunately, I think I was a little bit of a grumpy Miranda. Mm. I'm... I think that in 2020, my biggest goal is not romantic, is not career, but working on my spirituality, my attitude, because hmm. I think I can get really negative. And what do you mean? I, I about think, what? Like what? What are the what are the things you tend to be negative about? Okay, well, to be perfectly honest, you guys, I've been a little anxious about my. Um, I've been a little anxious about my career. Just there's nothing even wrong. It's just that all my friends are television writers. And, you know, I went to this holiday party with my coworkers of the last TV show that I was writing on. And I was in a really anxious mood. And one of my colleagues who I'm really close with, like she's a really good friend of mine, mm -hmm. just like told us that she just got like signed on to a new television show and I haven't even had a meeting since the end of the show and I went into the bathroom and cried oh Rose. I cried I know that feeling I cried at this party and I love oh. her and she's a great writer and I want her to have all the success in the world I think I just was having so much anxiety like what am I mm. you know what I mean totally I totally know that and feeling. then I pretended to have a stomach ache and left and like oh, cried shit. on the way home and and the thing is it's like technically everything's fine I have a new gig in Jan it's like this business is so hard and it's so competitive and it's so up and down and I feel like I have such little control over it that I think I just want to like I just find myself jealous of a lot of people mm. like that's you know, very relatable. Yeah, just like also we're living in a culture where everyone's jealous of everyone because of social media. It's like literally the game of social media is to make other people feel like you're killing it more than them. I mean, I was on Instagram and this girl like her short film just got into Sundance and my friend is making a feature and it's all a this highlight stuff. Reel. It's a highlight reel. I know, but I think I decided that like to be a happy person especially in an industry that's so competitive yeah. and is so up and down and is so hard. Yeah. I just think that like, yes, of course I have to work hard on the actual writing. Duh. 
But in a weird way for myself, I think what I need to focus on even more than that is like my attitude and like meditation and just like reading a lot of self-help books and just getting to this place where I can, there's going to be so much uncertainty in my life with this career because that's this career. And I just have to learn how to like weather the uncertainty with like a more, what more faith in myself, more faith in, in life and just, and also like life is more than like what my next TV job is. And I, I just feel like I need to get things in perspective and just get a better perspective period. Mm. Okay. Well, I, you're fantastic. Oh, thank you. That was a huge overshare. No, 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 not, vomit not, a, not an overshare at all. I, I, I think everything you're saying is insanely relatable and understandable. And um, I think that, you know, I even think the people who sort of seem like this like strong tower, no matter how much the wind is hitting it. I, I don't know how sincere that is. Um, I think that a lot of people are constantly sort of putting on a face and um I think Instagram is a a big version of that and if you're on it you're constantly just like the fact that you know she got into Sundance is like well you also don't know about the time that she cried in the bathroom right probably recently before she didn't get into Sundance right of course you know and then it's like once it goes to Sundance it's like well is it going to get distribution that's another cry in the bathroom right if it gets distribution like is it going to be critically received? Well, that's another cry in the bathroom. It's like it never ends. And like, I think what you're saying is really important that you have to be, you have to find a way. It's not that it's ever going to get easy or easier, but if you can sort of be a little more structurally sound. Yes, I think so. And just, it's the, it's the only thing you can truly control is that. Yeah. And I also yeah. think like writing television scripts that don't get made, like writing one after another just can feel really existential. And I think another big goal for me in 2020 is just to start like making stuff, like filming stuff and making yeah. shorts and stuff, because it's really insane to just like write, spend all this time writing sure. something and it's like, what just happened? Yeah. Like, what did that do? Yeah, you should make stuff, especially because like you're, you know how to do that. And I feel like you know people who can help you execute Oh yeah, for that. sure. So you should do that. Gal, who are you this week? Um, I, I guess I was a bit of a Carrie um, in that I always think of when Carrie went to Paris kind of on a whim towards the end of the series and I decided to I I'm in a place where because of my work schedule, I cannot plan vacations like a normal person. Most people I feel like are very responsible or they're buying flights early. They're watching the trends, you know, what flights are going up, what are going down. I, I just haven't had time to do that. And I decided within this past year to just stop beating myself up for the way I have to travel, which is pretty last minute and Fine. pretty expensive. Yeah, whatever. That's just kind of the price I pay for it's better than buying a ticket and then having to cancel it. My flight to Asia was double the normal flight because yeah. I was going over the holidays yep. and it was last minute. But I was like, who fucking cares? I'm going. Exactly. And also, so I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go to Copenhagen and Berlin. <gasps> um, just two cities because I don't want to do like a schleppy like post-college back, backpacking vibe. I just want two cities, stay in an Airbnb, Fab. explore. When yeah, are you going? I think I'm going to go. I actually, this is my first year and it probably has something to do with our conversation about leaving for the holidays. I think I'm going to go before Christmas because I was going to go after Christmas and my parents were going to come visit. But then both my parents just kind of were like, do your thing. Like, go, go. You've I'm been so working. I'm so glad they were so supportive. Yeah, they were. And so my that mom. That sounds so fun. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go. I have to go to Buffalo, New York next week to do stand up. And I think I'm just going to like leave from New York since I'm already there. Are you going? I'm going with Dan. Awesome. We're going. And we're also 
yeah, I have to just figure out like housing now. But anyways, I feel like a bit of a carry because I'm just like kind of dashing abroad. Good for you. It's going to be so fun. I kind of had a feeling that I was done with Europe, which I know is maybe the craziest thing to say because I feel like that's kind of the go-to vacation. But since going to Japan, I was like, Asia's where it's at. I just want to go to Asia. I want to keep discovering more of Asia. But I haven't been to Berlin and I haven't been to Copenhagen. And those are two places that I keep hearing are really great. They're going to be amazing. And also, if you just want to do something... That you don't really have to plan. That's what I'm saying. I think somewhere that people basically speak English and it's not like you're going down the rabbit hole to a new land. That's yes. a little much. Or like resort resorts around the holidays are so exorbitant. Like yeah. even if the flight's cheap, it's like $1,500 a night at the St. Regis or whatever. Well, I'm, I'm so just excited like, no, for you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, let's get into the episode. All right, guys, we're talking season three, episode five. No ifs, ands, or buts. Guys, this episode opens with Charlotte prepping for her very first kiss with her very new guy, Brad, when truly the worst thing happens. Brad licks her face like it's a cat toy, and he's some big old tabby. Everyone meets up at the hot new restaurant, Fusion, to discuss. I mean, all around my mouth. Ew. How do you think I felt his tongue actually licked my teeth? I don't get it. Did he want to fuck you or floss you? Bad kissers are the worst. The worst. When it comes to the worst, they're at the top. The top of the worst. He has these sweet little lips. I thought he would be a good kisser. See, that's a scary thing. You can never tell. They look totally normal. Until their pointy tongue is darting in and out of your mouth. Oh, the stabby little pointy tongue. That is the worst of the worst. <laughs> no, 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 no. What's worse is when they expect you to do all the work and their tongue just lays there in your mouth like a Clam. Ew! Clam mouth. That's the worst. At that point, I say, get that thing out of my mouth, put it in a cab, and take his lazy ass home. You dumb a guy because of a bad kiss? Honey, you have to. I mean, if their tongue's just gonna lay there, what do you think their dick's gonna do? Point taken. Maybe we can work on it. Practice no, no, makes no, perfect. No, 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 dump him. A bad kisser is a non-negotiable. I am not gonna dump Brad just because of that. Then might I suggest you change his name from Brad to Bad? <laughs> but I really it's like one of the him. Worst I mean, jokes well, of the series. I did <laughs> until his really tongue was terrible. in your stomach. Brad to bad is, I mean, I can't believe that stayed in. It, it, and also, I like, can't believe that made it past the table read. They, I mean, that is wild. They can only keep that in if they go groan, dad joke, or somebody said yeah, something. Yeah, they die laughing. <laughs> it's it's lulls wall to wall from Brad to bad. It's I mean, pretty bad. That's a Brad to bad joke. It's Brad to bad. Yeah. Uh, have you ever dated a terrible kisser or have you ever come in, in you come in someone's mouth? Yes. Have you ever come in someone's mouth? That was my follow up. Have you ever I encountered? This conversation just goes from yeah, zero to no, 100. I have a lot of questions. Um, it really runs a gamut. But yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. What's your bad kissing? Sitch? You know, I keep going around and around about this because mm. I used to think in my 20s, I had a couple of bad kissing boyfriends and I don't remember what, how I dealt with it. But mm, then after that, so awful. I was like, oh no, you can make people better. And now I think I'm back to... No, you can't? I think that certain things can get better, like in sex, if your partner does a little something that you don't like or whatever. Here's a really PG example. Okay, this is actually, now that I say it, it's going to sound really fucked up. It's okay. Okay, guys, please take this out of the sexual realm. My Both of my parents are, they used to scratch my arms when I went to bed. Like my mom would scratch my back and my arms and it felt really good. And my dad once tried to scratch my arms like as a nice thing. 
but he like scratched in the same place really hard. It was like the most horrible <laughs> scratch. And I was like, this sucks. So I think if you are, ew, I can't believe I'm even it's okay. trying to blend these metaphors. Blend it. If you're trying to like, if it's one little thing, you can fix it. But I do think, okay, this is the worst conversation I've ever had. I know what had. you're saying. I know what you're Me saying. Me and my dad are not sexually compatible yes, is what yes, I'm trying I know, to say. I know exactly what you're getting <laughs> no, at. No, what I'm trying to say is I do think that like if somebody's a truly terrible kisser, like bad, to me, the only reason why I sort of wonder if it can get better is because I think part of being a lover and a kisser mm-hmm. is gauging where someone's at and like working with them. And I think if you're a bad kisser, all that means is you're really not like reading. That's exactly how I feel. It's not that hard. Yeah. I don't think it's that hard. And I, the, yeah, encountering a bad kisser, the worst kisser of my life was, um, this guy named Bryce in sixth grade. Ooh. Jamie, you started early. I know. And then I like, I peaked a little early and then I dipped and then I came back in college. <laughs> she came back around, Like I baby. was like lame in high school, but I feel like I was a little frisky in like eighth grade. Girl, you really got it. I mean, it was mostly just kissing, but, um, but yeah, he was so. Kissing an ass play. Yeah. It was just <laughs> a little bit of, yeah. Um, but How was the bad kiss? It was so bad that I'm still talking about it. It was like he. Yeah, it was so... Well, what happened? I think that when you're young, there's this idea of, like... I think, like, the concept of, like, French kissing, it was almost separate. It was, like, there's pecking and there's French kissing. And it's, like, as an adult, you blend the two. It's the same thing as, like, <laughs> when you learn... Wait, that's so you, funny. Like, you, you can write in, like, regular letters or you can write in cursive. It's as an adult, you're just... You're blending it. You're making a signature. You know what I mean? Jamie's signature like, blend. Yeah, there's a signature blend. And like, I think at that time he was only into Frenching and he was like a lot of power tongue. Like really, like really taking up space in my mouth. Yeah, almost like trying to gag me a little bit. That's disgusting. It was so disgusting. But at the time, I was just like, that's just his style. Like I think I kind of was like, he's just more like pro tongue than me. But now looking back, I'm like that guy. I hope he worked on it because it was horrendous. I mean, again, I'm still talking about it. Hopefully, no, it's still it's too old. (laughs) It's too old. Get it together. You know what? I've had a lot of the opposite. I was a great lover by the time I was nine. I mean, when. When Jamie was in middle school, she was like cleaning up, wearing like roses in her teeth, and yeah, no. she was wearing like fishnets. Yeah, it was, it was very. Fucking, I, she I looked I like a Harlequin. Of, I came out of the womb experience. <laughs> That's the legend of Jamie Lee. I feel like I have had a lot of bad kissing on the opposite end, where guys too like, much pecking. No, where they literally don't even put their tongue oh, in your mouth no, that's not where it's good. like a mouth opens and nothing comes yeah. out of it right yeah i've had that i also dated this guy when i was maybe 29 in new york and he had been married for 10 years and when we made out he kept his lips like zipped Stop. shut maybe that's because like that's how he kissed when they were like but married and the marriage you... was fizzling i honestly he had, think like a fizzle kiss kissing is so important to sex it's like the most rev up part of it yes. like kissing and touching that if the kissing is bad oh, I mean, then you can't even do? get to the sex no, part no what do you do i i i really i agree with this whole thing i think uh when i when i watched this i was like they're being a little harsh like you know and then i was like no it actually does matter a lot <laughs> it also matters because it's the first it's sort of like the first hurdle of vulnerability and it's like if you guys can't sync up there then to proceed when that sort of hasn't been 
lock down and to proceed and go to things that like require even like more vulnerability and more of yourself. Like, yeah, it's like we're skipping a step by not being able to kiss properly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, it's also interesting, too, because I've kissed people who I feel like they think they're really good oh, kissers. is that not the fucking worst? And they do too many moves. Like, it's fine to, like, do, like, a little biting or sucking, but, like, they're, like, sucking your lower <laughs> lip off, and you're like, okay, Pepe Le Pew. Like, literally. Uh, and they're, uh, like, giving you hard eye contact. Like, can you believe this? And you're oh like, I God. can. There is nothing. I'm sorry. It's a fine, <laughs> it's a fine line between... Like between like getting into it and sounding like you're getting into it. And I can always tell the difference if a guy is like making moans like what like, like what performative moans, you performative moans. I- I'm absolutely out the second I hear like a mm, like no, I'm done. I That's disgusting. Like do not. I can tell the difference. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain things I don't like. Like, I think once a guy put his whole, kind of like put oh, his whole yeah. mouth around my chin. Right. And I was like, is this, are you enjoying this? Is right. Any, are any of us, <laughs> if you're enjoying this, raise your hand. Okay, nobody raised their hand, so let's move on. <laughs> oh, oh, also, I don't like when people put their tongue in my ear and it's like, like, oh. and you could just like hear it sloshing around. Yeah. It's like maybe a light thing a on little, the rim. Yeah. But yeah. I don't need like a, a car wash clean in there. machine. Yeah. We don't yeah. need to put it on spin cycle, I don't need, like, baby. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's horrible. Right. Ugh. Okay. So. Yes. Okay. So this restaurant, Fusion, is run by Adina, a friend of Carrie's and the sister to Siobhan, a very handsome music rep and black man. Siobhan immediately sets his sights on Samantha and leaves her his card. After he takes off, the core four have the first in a series of I'm not into Siobhan because he's black, but that certainly doesn't hurt conversations. It feels very written by white people due to being written by white people. Also, I just need to say... Samantha's outfits in this episode were gorgeous. She looked stunning in every single Incredible. Stanford shows up. I love the Stanford storyline here. (laughs) So funny. It's incredible. Stanford shows up to Carrie's New York Times in tow. He wants to hit up a furniture store whose opening is all over the style section because, duh, hot designers. Also, the guy behind the store is straight and available. So Carrie should definitely be in. When Stanford and Carrie make it to the store, Carrie's got to admit, the guy is hot. The store has something for Stanford, too, a gay and available designer named Marty. So he runs off. Carrie's guy is Aiden Shaw. The beginning of Aiden. Carrie's guys, Aiden Shaw and his horny dog makes their intro by humping her leg. After Aiden literally tosses the dog off of her, they have a cute first chat. It goes so well that Carrie agrees to buy a chair she can't afford just to keep things rolling. That's exactly like something I would do. Same. Also, he wears bell bottoms. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back at Miranda's, Steve finally has a big development of his own. (laughs) Does he? (laughs) He got picked to shoot a half-court shot at a Knicks game with a chance to win a million dollars. 
If that doesn't sound like a real opportunity <laughs> to you, you're right. It's not. Steve, however, believes. He insists Miranda come down to the court sometime to check out his ball skills, if she's so skeptical. Carrie and Miranda catch up for some cupcakes and crush talk at the famous Magnolia Bakery, where Carrie sings Aiden's praises and Miranda does some light dunking on Steve's hoop dreams. Nice one, Sky. Samantha heads uptown to meet Siobhan at a club, which unfortunately has a very early 2000s treatment of black nightlife. She gets security wanted. She's the only white person there. Everybody she meets is in hip hop. It's not a great look. Siobhan and Samantha's post-club night back at her place, however, is sweet and slightly less tokenized. Carrie and Aiden meet up for their first date in which her smoking ends up being a big problem. You smoke? Oh, um... Just a little. The minute I heard the lie come out of my mouth, I realized just how much I kind of liked him. If it if it bothers you, I just. Well, I had a great time. Hmm. Hmm. I can taste that cigarette. Oh, I'm sorry. I I have an Altoid. Carrie, I think you just... No, no, I totally, totally get it. I have a mint here. They're curiously strong. Look. <laughs> here, can you just uh, hold that for a second? Sure. Thanks. Sorry. I don't want to be a jerk, but I, I can't date a smoker. Oh. So... Really? It's a thing I have. I couldn't believe what my crush was saying. I was crushed. What do you think about this? I get where Aiden's coming from. You know what? It's funny because at first when I was watching it, as somebody who has been single off and on for a while and it's like, oh, meeting somebody that you like is so hard, I thought to myself, oh, my God, I would never not see someone that I clicked with on all of their levels because of that. But then I really thought about it and I was like, actually, I think it's pretty nasty to smoke. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you're either all in. I mean, that's not true. A lot of people smoke casually when they drink, da-da-da. But let's take those people out of the equation. Carrie is clearly like a smoker. A smoker. Yeah, uh, I think it's, yeah, I do think it's, it, it, if you are if you are a non-smoker, it is gross. It and just is. It clothes, tastes bad. Yeah. Yeah, you can taste it. And I think, again, as you get older, that's like you just become less flexible and I think that this is the type of thing that people are usually pretty dead set on um did you think it was a little dramatic of him sure a little I mean it's a little early to be making those things yeah and also to like assume that she should change it now before he even like gets to know her I don't know if he was assuming it I think he was kind of saying like oh it was so great to know you but I can't do this yeah which is that that part I don't know if that would happen I feel like my my version of this story would be like I don't like that you smoke, and I have to be honest about that. And then, like, seeing if I could, like, change them. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that's also not healthy. So I feel like the way Aiden dealt with it, actually, even though it was sort of painful to watch and did feel dramatic, I get it. I kind of was wondering, I think if I met somebody that I had a huge connection with, I don't think on the first date. That's my point. I don't think I would. It's a little early. The only way I would do that is I was thinking... It's been a really long time since I've rewatched that watched the series so I yeah. didn't re- I it came back to me but I was like 
did his mom die of lung cancer? Is there a, like, like, is there a, like, was his ex-girlfriend, like, I but don't I'm think like, they ever paid it off. No, because his parents if it's are just, alive and well. Right. But if yeah, it's just don't like smoking, I can understand it being extreme if like something really bad. Yeah, it is hap- interesting. Like, he just does it. It's a preference. Yeah. Yeah. He's I mean, just it's definitely like, a preference for me. Sure. Same. Um, It's so funny because in L.A. there's so few smokers that it's like, I mean, I haven't dated a smoker. I don't know if I ever maybe not since my 20s in New York. Yeah, I've definitely kissed a smoker. It's so Fucking gross. It's so gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So anyways, all right. Getting back into it. Charlotte gives Brad another shot. She's such an optimist that she coaches him through their second kiss, which works at first. Brad, however, he's just got a lick. He treats Charlotte's face like there's a Tootsie Roll at the center of it. And that is that. They're through. Stanford meets up at Marty's place. Things are going well until they get into Marty's bedroom. The man, it turns out, is a doll collector, and he keeps all his ladies right there on the pillows. Stanford is creeped out, but he still goes through with sleeping with the guy because, well, when you need it, you need it. And Samantha and Siobhan meet up for dinner back at Fusion. When Adina, Siobhan's sister, spots them, she takes the chance to snag some one-on-one time with Samantha. Adina tells Samantha to back off Siobhan, as she doesn't want her brother getting serious with a white woman. You might have brought this up. Jamie or I don't know, but it is very clever that the restaurant she works at is called. Oh, they say it in the episode. I think they do. They the later, restaurant is yeah. called Fusion, the but irony. she only likes it in her yep. food. And that was really smart. Yeah, really smart. Really smart. Carrie and Stanford meet up at her place to celebrate how good cigarettes make them feel by smoking a bunch of them. And Miranda ends up having to push her date to watch Steve play basketball because of work, which really frustrates Steve. He throws quite the tantrum and heads to the court to work some of that anger out. Miranda, good girlfriend that she is, drops her work for a bit to see Steve play. He does not win his million dollars, but he does win the eventual support of his girlfriend. Stanford and Marty give sleeping together another try, and Stanford pushes him to forget the dolls for a second and just focus on him. That quickly ends when Stanford knocks one of them to the ground, shattering her head. (laughs) Farewell, Marty, you strange, strange man. And Samantha, not one to back down, catches up with Siobhan again at the club. It's going fine until Adina shows up. Real deal warning here. This clip is not pleasant, but we got to talk about the show's blind spots, too. What are you doing here? I told you I don't want you dating my brother. Adina, I'm a lovely person. At least get to know me, then hate me. This is not a game. This is my brother we're talking about. You know, for a woman with such a progressive view of world food. You know, that's business. This is family. I don't understand. What I'll say to you plain. I don't care how many Jennifer Lopez looking dresses you have hanging up in your closet. You don't belong in here. You can never understand what I'm talking about. This is a black thing. Now, would you please go and leave my brother alone? As Samantha turned to leave, she suddenly realized this wasn't a black thing. It was a Samantha thing. She'd never backed down to a loudmouth bitch before, and she wasn't about to start now. Excuse me, but no woman, no matter what color, has the right to tell me who I can or cannot fuck. Get your little white pussy away from my brother. Get your big black ass out of my face. And your okra wasn't all that. Keep it real. 
You know what? This is one of those times where when we ask you guys to weigh in, you guys weigh in. Please weigh in. I know we have some fabulous uh, black female and male, I think, listeners. Tell us in the Instagram comments, uh, I mean, in in our DMs, how you felt about this. wherever how you felt about this scene because obviously Jamie and I have our own opinions but they're colored by our white colored skin yes and I would love to hear what uh some ladies of color or men of color think about the scene um that being said please do give us an Instagram because we'll read the comments out lo- on yeah the show. I would love uh I would love that uh yeah Jamie what was is... your impression of the scene um what was my impression of the scene? Or what's your thoughts on this? It do, I mean, it does feel like maybe this happened to somebody. Because um, it the, it's an interesting thing that they wanted to touch on. Like, I, I really do wonder where the origin of this particular sure storyline came from. I, I mean, I did date... Um, I did. I had a friend. And I've talked about this before. But I had a friend and I ended up dating her brother. She sort of set us up, actually. And then once I started dating her brother, she really could not handle it. She started acting weird. We, I would run into her and then finally it all kind of came out and she's like, I I can't deal with it. Like I sort of lost you as a friend and now you're with my brother. And we were always hanging out as a group. So it's not, it wasn't like just the two of us and then like making everybody go away. Um, But just that dynamic alone, I, I felt that so much in this scene which I know is taking out a big part of the equation, which is the racial part of it. But just that dynamic alone, I think, is really tricky. You mean like a possessive sister? Yes. Yeah, to me, the thing is, here's the the, the issue with this scene, is that there are there is, there is a segment of the population, there are women of color who feel upset when black men date white women because it feels like a diss or like, why don't you date within the community, especially because of the treatment of black women in society and, you know, all the racism and, you know, how black women are considered uh, like on the dating apps, like the least Mm -hmm. viable. There's a lot of racist notions of very loaded. Yeah. Like beauty is like white skin and small noses and all Mm -hmm. these other horrible Eurocentric things that we've been passed down. So I do think that, it's not that the scene isn't realistic. There is, I think, not monolithic, but I do think there is understandable anger sometimes when a attractive, well-off, successful black man chooses to be with a white woman. Yes. I can understand where the anger and resentment would come. That doesn't seem crazy to me, and I don't think Adina is being crazy here. And I don't think the scene is racist for showing this. I think the problem with the scene is actually more that there are so few that is the characters problem. of yes. color ever on the show. Yes. That to have the only real black character we've seen so far be something that ends up in a fight, a physical fight Agreed. in a club, which we've never seen with any of the white nope. women, and that it ends up being sort of like uh, making... Samantha feel bad about being white. I think if there had been lots of other experiences. Yeah, we would probably feel differently about this. Yeah, I think it's just that it's not that this experience is illegitimate, I don't think. I just think it's very pointed that they don't ever explain, explore black culture. And when they do, there's a physical fight 
and you know yeah and also it is odd how it sort of ends with with Samantha saying like yeah well you know he doesn't have a he might have a big black dick this is me quoting what right. happens in the episode yeah. by the way he might have a big black dick but he does he's like but he's actually like a huge pussy right and I was like oh that was the takeaway was that like this is about him not standing up for her. Like there Actually, was... I don't think that's wrong. Yeah, no, no. I don't think it's wrong. I just thought it was interesting that that was the note it ended on was just like this thing about like, oh, is the moral of the story that like people need to stand up to their siblings? Like clearly this is more loaded than that. Like this is this. If you want to just make that storyline, you can make that storyline. This think, is there's yeah. so many layers to this that were unnecessary if that is the place we end. To me, I, 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 it's not that I, I agree with you. It's not that it's illegitimate. Yeah. It's that it was interesting that that was the takeaway was it's like, well, he couldn't stand up to his sister. And it's like, OK, well, maybe. But like this was an odd way to explore that to me. I think this was a double faceted problem. Totally. I think there were two problems here. I think one problem was. That, you know, Samantha's pretty uneducated about other cultures. She's not doesn't seem that interested. She's not. She does She's she, a trisexual. She'll yeah. try anything. Everything is kind of like a commodity to her. Yeah, she's she's very privileged and she doesn't really think about perspectives. Like for example, she had never come up to Adina and said, "Hey, I think your brother's really cute. Um, I really like him. You know, whatever. Not that she has to or, or, yeah, or anything. Adina's not her friend. Yeah. That I, was the thing. Right. Yeah. Listen, I do think that's really even though I think Adina's feelings are valid about wanting her brother to be with a woman of color, I think it's totally valid. I don't think you can tell anybody who to date. No, you can't. And I do think that if you're dating somebody wonderful and someone in their family gives you shit, if they don't stand up for you, clearly you can't have a relationship yes. with them. Yes. So I do think it explores two different things. And I do think it was interesting. I think... This show is so difficult with with race because they they deal with it so so rarely, and um, and I think the writers have such little experience with it, and it was not a diverse room. No, we don't even. I think the only other black character on the show is um, Miranda's boyfriend in, I believe, season five. Oh, I don't remember um, who that. Who moves into her apartment building? Oh, that's cool. Blair Blair Underwood, I believe, is the actor. Yeah. Hmm. Is that that's him, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So that's the only other black character in the story in the in the show, pretty much. And you know what else, by the way? I think that there was also a missed opportunity here because it just kind of makes Adina look like an angry black woman because she doesn't have a conversation about being like as black women, it is so hard Absolutely. to find an amazing black man. Totally. It's it's really upsetting to feel like the goal is to be with a white person that's really like hurtful to our community. Like there's no there, there was a conversation well, it makes her, missing. It make it makes her seem very one dimensional too, which is un, which is unfair because it actually is an interesting conversation, and it kind of makes her seem more racist, which is not what she is. Agreed. She's defensive because as a black woman, her viability and attractiveness has been really polluted by culture. You know. Yeah, and I mean, even the fact that she opened this restaurant called Fusion, she probably has some identity issues tied to that because she probably felt pressure from, 
I mean, look, I don't. I'm not the I authority. I love how deep we're going here. Well, I'm not the authority on like right. on on you know food culture and restaurant culture in New York. But I've also the things that I have heard from listening to podcasts from different chefs and stuff. It just seems really cutthroat and like it's a really like volatile industry. Yeah, and I can imagine as a black woman sort of making this this you know making okra like palatable to white people essentially you know she probably feels a deeper level of resentment that she might not even be aware of if this that's were like really a real really person. astute i love that i think you're right and also it just goes without saying that if you never have any black characters on your show to have them go to a black club and then get wanded is like so it's crazy <laughs> it's just offensive not yeah. that it would never happen to get wanded at a black club but the fact is there's probably a million black clubs where it doesn't happen yeah, it's just like a, it's such a uh, it's, it's such an obvious little... specific for them to put in. Like, and then they walk through the metal detectors. It's like, it's... could we actually don't need to see that? Actually, in terms of writing, if we're talking about like cutting down scenes, we don't need to see them enter the club. Period. That's something that's like the first thing to go in a script. It's actually pretty racist if we think about it because they get wanded. Adina is like yelling. They get in a physical fight. There's some really really toxic tropes of black totally people being like violent and aggressive yeah yeah Yeah, that's fucked up please please uh our listeners of color please weigh in in our instagram and and tell us how you feel we would love to hear your pov on it and we will uh, read it on the pod next week yes so rose wrap us up (sighs) okay so carrie and aiden give things one more try this time sans le cigarette Throughout the date, however, Carrie's fainting and she eventually sprints away to get that sweet, sweet nicotine fix. When Aiden discovers her lighting up, they basically seem to be done so. After her fight with Adina, Samantha has one last moment with Siobhan. He's on his sister's side and Sam, sadly, is out. The episode closes with Carrie regretfully dumping her cigarettes and slapping on a nicotine patch because this Aiden guy is worth it. Okay, that brings us to the question of the episode. Later that night, I couldn't help but wonder, when the hell did dating become so dump-friendly? What happened to the time when a bad kiss or a cigarette or even a ridiculous dream was just part of a person's portfolio? In today's volatile dating market, is it wise to liquidate certain stocks at the very first sign that they might not perform as well as expected? Or are there certain things one should try and negotiate? In relationships, what are the deal breakers? I really related to this, like, I mean, this was made 20 years ago, but just this idea that there's one problem and people dump you. Yep. I, I, think I thought it was. It happens really more and more now. Great question. Yeah, because it's like in the old days, it's like things are so traditional. You know, you meet somebody, they live down the block, your family likes their family, and they have a million problems and you just stay with them. Yeah, they are who they are. And that's just part of it. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting notion that like with modern times, we've just become so picky. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with, you know, online dating probably has some contribution to it because you're literally like shopping for people. Yes, that's right. The same way you would like add something to your cart. Yeah, it's absolutely right. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of do slip into preference mode in a really sort of like clinical way where you almost start itemizing a person, which is wild. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The question, but also it does. But also it's wild. But also in a lot of ways, it's probably really good because you're like really taking stock of like, well, who is this person in every way? And like, what what do you look for in like what do you consider to be a good person and a good partner and what works for you specifically? 
Based on your recommendation, mm. I started listening to the Whitney podcast. Oh, yeah. And I think she was talking to a guest about like this exercise you can do. She used to be engaged. I don't think she's engaged anymore. Uh huh. Is she talking about that on the podcast? She's not now? talking about it. Okay. But she used to be. I, I'm just uh, guessing this. Okay. Okay. But anyway, uh, she was talking. I, yeah, she's not talking about it, but she'll say stuff like, yeah, I, I'm looking for someone that's like, oh. Yeah. And there was all these pictures of like the engagement, and now there's like no mention. Mm-hmm. But from that, Whitney was talking about this little thing, this journaling exercise you can do where you say, what you definitely want from somebody, your preferences, and what the deal breakers are. And I was doing it with my friend. We sat in my room and mm. we like wrote ours. And the deal breakers that I remember that I have, I try not to have too many, but any addiction of any kind, even if someone's been sober for a while, which is could be very offensive to some of our sober listeners, but it's just a trigger for me. Um, being really negative, mm-hmm. uh, not not having a job that you like, mm-hmm. not talking to your parents. Hmm. Yeah, like I would want them to talk to one one of them. What do you mean? Like these are deal breakers for me. Oh, if they don't talk to their parents at all. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's not even true, though. You know what? Actually, that's not a deal breaker, because if you have toxic parents, what are the fuck you're supposed what to do? What are you do? supposed to do? I guess for me, it's like. I'm not that close to my family, so I would really like to be with somebody that is close to their family, whose family like I could also be close to. Sure. So I guess that's not the deal breaker. I guess the biggest deal breaker to me is somebody who's really negative and depressed, smokes, does drugs, and or like has had problems with that. Mm-hmm. I think those are maybe my only ones. Yeah, the negative one I definitely agree with. I can't take it. Yeah, I can't I have no either. space for it. Yeah, I, I feel like I really... Something that I, I've been talking about 2020 a lot just because it's around the corner, but like something I'm really trying to cultivate within myself and in my relationships is like lightheartedness and like uh, like a, just like a lighthearted attitude. Mm. Yeah, and you want to be with someone who like makes you a better version of yourself. I know. Or at least like the... If not better, just like the best version of yourself, like sort of like who you really enjoy being the most. Yeah, that's a good way to put and it. And like... Yeah. What do you think about deal breakers? uh, I mean, mine are similar. I I definitely couldn't be with someone who had like a different relationship to vices than I did because I'm really not a vicey person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely don't want to date anyone with like addiction problems. Yeah. Negativity is a big one. Um, I think somebody who hates what they do. And I think they have to be really motivated. Um, Yeah. I have to be with someone who like. Is ambitious. Yeah. Because I. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. It's interesting because I think I'm like kind of a workaholic, but I don't know that that's really what I would be looking for. But I also like someone who's really like driven and like into what they do. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. well, Okay. so final segment. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for? Well, I already talked about this on Instagram, but there's a lot of people that listen to the show that don't follow us on Instagram. So I'm going to say it again. Yeah. Um, I was having this like horrible night and I don't know if it was a full moon or if I was under the weather, but I was just like in a crap ass mood. Mm. And I started working on my Hanukkah presents for my family because I'm going to be traveling and I won't be in town for all the, the Hanukkah parties and the holidays. Yeah. So for my sister and my mom, I went to this wonderful website called snapfish.com and I made my sister a book of photos with all of our family holding 
my nephew. Cute. And it's such a cute book. And then I made a a photo book for my mom with a bunch of pictures of the dog Chachi. Oh my God. And literally putting on Mrs. Maisel and going through photos of my dog and my family that Mm. I love, it literally turned my night around. I had so much fun. Just knowing how much they're going to love this gift. I already got them shipped off. It ended up being $50 total. And this is a gift they're going to enjoy more than anything I could have bought. So I had a wonderful time making it. I'm not a very good designy person. They make it so easy. You don't even have to know Photoshop or anything. It's the easiest thing. You just like dump digital photos like into each page. Yeah. And so I would really, really strongly. We are not sponsored by Snapfish. I wish we were. Um, I would really strongly recommend if you want to give a gift to anybody in your life, lover, friend, family member, colleague, anybody, nephew, niece, and you want to do something special that's not just like a bot thing, it's really fun to make. And even if you just want to make a photo album for yourself, like what do you do with all those digital photos? It's so easy. Oh, it's so nice. And it was a blast to do. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it was really fun. What I are you that. horny for? Um, I'm horny for this show on Netflix that is just like a delightful escape. Uh, it's called Merry Happy Whatever. It is a three camera sitcom great. about Christmas. Great. And I was like, what a great idea. It's a Christmas based sitcom. Like, it's crazy that that has not existed before. Is it, it only like a limited series? Yeah, it's like eight episodes, but I think it's doing well and it'll probably get picked up. And like everyone who's on it is like an experienced sitcom I actor. I can't wait to watch it. Dennis Quaid plays the dad. And like there's just something about it. I, I'm not a big Hallmark movie watcher. Um, as far as Christmas movies go, I love National Lampoons and I love Elf. And I watched Christmas Story a little bit, but those are really my two. And I don't, I love like getting in the holiday spirit. And I feel like there isn't a lot for me that I actually like enjoy. And I feel like that is like exactly what I needed. It's like super turn your brain off. Like the jokes are so inoffensive. It's just like easy comedy. And it was like very enjoyable. I to can't watch. wait to watch it. Yeah. I all your recommendations I end up taking oh, and enjoying. Good. Yeah. Okay. I feel all your podcast. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And it's like you can watch it with, you know, the whole fam. If, you know, it's something you can put on in the background while you're cooking. It's like if you miss 10 minutes, you missed nothing. It's just very, like, delightful. That's really how I would describe it. It's like the opposite of, like, pretty much everything else on TV. Well, I do have to say something. First Mm. of all, can't wait to watch it. We are not recording for a couple weeks after this. We're all banked up. But the next time we're going to be talking... Mm. I will have gone to Vietnam and Cambodia. <gasps> That's right. And you will have been gone to oh my Copenhagen goodness. and Berlin. That's so true. So and I'll have gone to Sedona. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Have a wonderful holiday and New Year. Have the best holiday. And happy holidays to all of our listeners. We really love you guys so much. And um, I know that this might be coming out, I guess, after the holidays. It will, but, but that's okay. But it's okay for us to say it. We hope you had a great holiday. How yeah. about that? And uh, good luck, uh, the, fall- the emotional fallout from seeing your families. Yeah. Let us, you know, again, hit us up uh, on Instagram. Let us know how it went. We're here for you. Love you. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app 
up. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.